One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal Extra Time. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Myself and James Benj will get together to discuss what was a very, very fun night at the Emirates last night and look ahead to another big weekend of Premier League action. James, how you doing, mate? All good? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for finally joining me. You kept me waiting. How was Christmas shopping? Apologies, I was I was at John Lewis. First bit of a Christmas shopping of the season with my wife. First and, bit. Uh, yeah. We overran a little bit. We overran a little bit. Nice and Christmassy though, getting into the spirit. December tomorrow, Elf on the Shelf comes out. The kids tomorrow, two very excited young kids in my house waiting for that. Do they do Just Advent what... calendars? Does yes. kids still do Advent? I am looking at them up now. They are certainly not the Advent, calendar, advent calendars that I used to have when I was a kid. Believe me, I'm looking at them now. Oh no, this isn't like, like healthy Advent, is it? Big, they're basically bars of chocolate on each day. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, I never had that. I didn't even have chocolate. Did you have chocolate Advent calendars when you were a kid? I mean, uh, am I going to betray how middle class I am? Yes, I am. Uh, we had a knitted Advent calendar into which would be placed, you know, like mum would go and buy a big bag of sort of box of sort of celebrations or whatever if if it's a good been a good year maybe some lindors um yeah so knitted and you have one for me and one for my sister uh in i i mean it's ridiculous isn't it how posh i am that yeah that is good that's going some i have to say i didn't even have chocolates in my advent calendars we just had a picture of like coal <laughs> no like i don't know the baby jesus or a star <laughs> or, or something like that it was very very uh, old school Christmas style. I was talking about this with my brothers the other day. We were talking about how we, but madly, we used to get really excited by it. It's like we rotated. We didn't even have one each. We rotated. And I'm one of three brothers. Oh. And we'd like, so, and my birthday's on the 21st of December, which meant I always got the 21st of December, which also meant I always got Christmas Eve, which was the biggest picture. And I always used to be really, really excited about it. But now it's all. 21st chocolate. of December birthday must be pretty rough, though. I don't know. It was all right. It was, it was certainly good once you get to sort of 
you know, drinking age. It's just a good laugh yeah. going out for your birthday just before Christmas. It's always a good laugh. Yeah. Everyone always says November is like a fiddly yeah. area people where people you get are... double birthday presents and it's oh no, or double presents. Like, no, probably not. But I never used to mind it, to be honest. I thought it was all right. Yeah. It seems with good Arsenal victories on my birthday. I remember I was at Highbury back in the day for my birthday. I think 1991, we beat Everton 4-2. Ian Wright scored all four goals. Anders Limpass set up all four. It was a good birthday memory. Well, if you, if you depart on your birthday this year, you might just about get to Anfield in time for kickoff. I am going to be at Centre Parks on my birthday this year. Oh. And I'm not going to be at Anfield. Which one? Uh, Wuben Forest. Is that yeah. that's the one down down sort of near near our, our neck near your neck of the yeah, woods? Yeah, not too far from yeah, sort of M one M one way. So uh, lovely, yeah, a bit lovely of a Christmas tradition every other year. Uh, we've been Forest Centre Parks would be very nice. I, I was yeah. saying I, we we will talk about Arsenal, I promise. But I was sort of saying um, uh, we're as a family, we're a little behind yourself. Um, so my sister in law, future sister in law, hopefully in the next few weeks. Uh, would be a little nephew popping along, so good luck to Amy. Um, and I was saying the thing that excites me the most is a sort of the when they get to the age where you can take them to centre parks and perhaps even Disneyland. Um, I mean, centre parks is such a vibe. It is. I, I would actually go there on my own still. It's beautiful. Love it. Yeah, I love centre parks. We used to do it. Well, since I was a kid, I always used to go with my family. It's always been a bit of a thing in our family, and so it's nice to do it with the kids now as well. And it's really good at Christmas. Properly gets you in the spirit and all Never that. Never done Christmas. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. I'm aware that I'm very dark in this, and it's only going to get worse because the light is fading massively. So we but need to do this quickly. I've got a new. I put a new light bulb in, and weirdly, when I turn the light on, it sort of produces a real strobe effect on the camera. I don't know why. I'm like weird. I don't know if it's like some crap light bulb or whatever, but it's like honestly, it's like a strobe, and it will just do everyone's head in. So. Yeah, I think by the time I'm finished this in about 45 minutes, <laughs> pitch black, you're barely going to be able to see me. But that's why I'm not turning the light on. If people, on are wondering, if people are wondering, it's because I don't want to blind you and because uh, it, it will do it. It's, it gives a really weird lighting effect. Anyway, look, we're up to nearly five minutes and we literally haven't even just started to talk about it. It was a fun night last night at the Emirates, wasn't it? You thought out, yeah, that was bloody <laughs> cold. It was so cold. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I, well, unlike yourself, I got to go inside at halftime and um, you you know it's got cold when sort of people are looking up and the second half has kicked off and you're like, yeah, but it is 5-0. I, I, I'm not rushing back out there. Um, it was it was cold, but uh, the the uh, the game warmed the, the hearts. And I guess based on where you're sat, presumably the, the mountain of Lons flares rather warms you up as well. They did indeed, and I was convinced one might end up getting lobbed on my head at one point. Yeah. Um, quite a lot of stuff was getting lobbed over from the Lons yeah. fans right by us. Um, fortunately, no flares, but lots of stuff was getting thrown. Um, yeah, they didn't take their 6 0 defeat too well, I have to say, um, some of their fans. But um, yeah, it certainly lit up the Emirates, didn't it? It was a bit of a spectacle. I'm sure both, I, both clubs are going to end up getting fined because of it, but it, it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I choose to believe the red flares at 4-0 were a tribute to what Arsenal had, had put on before. And if they were, you know, I think that's hashtag class mm. from Lons fans in the back. The only bit of sort of class uh, we saw in that 90 minutes, which was, yeah, I mean, it's not great, is it? No, they weren't great. They weren't great. Was it a case of them not being great or Arsenal just being very, very good? I think Arsenal was certainly very good. Oh, oh, I meant the fans. I actually thought Lons were okay, the football uh, team. I think that's what I made mean, this win so impressive. 
Yeah, I thought Lons had a decent sort of 15-minute spell between 4-0 and 5-0 where you were yeah. like, yeah, they look a little bit threatening. I think, who's that striker? I forgot his name. Wahi. Yeah, Wahi. He gave Saliba, he turned Saliba a couple of times and got him behind him. And I was talking about this on my show this morning. It's like when someone actually gets the better of Saliba in a situation like that, it's really noticeable because it barely ever happens. And he did it a couple of times in that half. So he had something about him, I thought. Um, and he's shown he's had something about him this season anyway. But yeah, I thought he he looked pretty lively at times. But I mean, Arsenal were, were great, weren't they? And I think it was quite funny that all the sort of narrative leading up to this game was about Arsenal's struggles in attack and they're not the same as they were last season and all that. And then they go and score five goals in the first half and absolutely blow Lons away. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, Mikel Arteta must have been just, when that first goal and then the second goal went in, he just must have been feeling so smug because he tells us in the, press conference beforehand look it's game state it's game state we don't score early and I think it's one goal in the first 20 minutes in the Premier League this season because we don't score early we're play, playing against teams that increasingly are like mm, we'll take the nil-nil draw here and you know I was kind of like well I think that's some of it but not all of it and then his argument is just made in emphatic fashion and he gets to sort of roll out that game state line again in his post-match press conference I wasn't in that but uh, I'm, I could believe that Mikel was, uh, having read the quotes, I could believe he was feeling quite pleased with himself after uh, after his encounters with the media on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, do you, 12 goals in four in three home games in the Champions League. Obviously, six against Lons, four against PSV and two against Sevilla. Um, do you think that is purely the fact that teams are opening up more in I mean in the Champions League when they come to the t- come to the Emirates they're not defending like we see in Premier League teams do do you think it is more down to game state and Arsenal scoring early what what do you kind of put Arsenal's success in the Champions League in terms of attacking output down to I mean the other thing might be that these teams are like I don't know I don't think they're sort of at the Sheffield I wouldn't you know be rude enough to say they're at a sort of Sheffield United Burnley level but you know, take that Lons team and put it in. I mean, it's sixth in Ligue 1. Mm. I don't think they defended as well as as Brentford or as Everton, as teams like that. I think to an extent, there's just a sort of individual quality mismatch where Saka, Havertz, Erdegaard, whoever you care to mention, are just playing players that, that can't really keep up with them. I know that there'll be some sort of people out there that say this is a sort of small-minded, Prem-focused view of the world but like it shouldn't be surprising that Everton and for instance can feel better players than Lons they've got a hell of a lot more money to play with I think some of it's that but like you say I think especially the PSV game PSV came to play um I think Lons as well were willing to go man to man uh Saka in particular got a lot of joy didn't he just because he was up against his fullback quite often helped that Tommy Asu was overlapping yeah I I I think if you're a top European team playing in the Champions League, you you can't really play, you know, 10 behind the ball, 11 behind the ball, let's suffer and hold out because you're one of the best teams in your division. So when are you playing that week in, week out? Whereas Everton, not Brentford, you know, the, you know the teams we're thinking of. They do that. They, and they do that 15... 30 times a season, maybe. So 15 to, like That's the thing is, I don't think Lons could have come to the Emirates, stuck everyone behind the ball and actually been that much more effective than they were um, playing the way they did. Mm-hmm. It, a lot's been made about the fact that it was the first time 
this season that we saw Saka, Havertz, Odegaard, Jesus and Martinelli play any... I, I hadn't noticed that until that stat got trotted mm. out after the team news was announced. I didn't even know that. You know, It hadn't come into my mind, but that was the first time that he'd even been on the pitch for a single minute altogether. And you're probably looking at it and think that is Arteta's... Certainly at the start of the season, maybe before form came into it and disappointing performances came into it, that was probably Arteta's in his thinking, his main front five, mm. you would say. Um, and it was the first time we'd see them. And the fact all five of them scored in that first half. Um, they combined really well. Havertz obviously got things up and running, which is really good. I think backing up that goal against Brentford, and I thought, he, I thought we'll talk about him, but I thought it was his best performance in an Arsenal shirt yesterday. Well, definitely was his best performance in an Arsenal shirt yesterday. Saka doing what he does. Martinelli just loving life in the Champions League. Absolutely <laughs> loving it. Gabriel Jesus, who's you know, goal of game striker in the Champions League at the moment. Just fantastic. And I thought it was really important that Odegaard got his goal as well, and a lovely finish it was. But there was so much to like about that first half performance and I think a lot of it was they did have space to run into Martinelli did have get against the fullback one-on-one Saka did get against the fullback one-on-one and you could just see it was almost like the weight off their shoulders they weren't suddenly being doubled up on or tripled up on as Saka had spoke about after the Brentford game there was just suddenly some just open green grass ahead of them and they could really sort of get their head up and and go and it just looked like a completely different Arsenal team that we've seen at times this season. Yeah, I think what Arsene Wenger would sort of term the automatisms are starting to build a little bit. I mean, we forget with Erdegaard, and I see sort of I spoke to very briefly spoke to him about this after the game. He's not playing out of possession, he is not playing anything like the same role anymore. It's you no know, sometimes he sort of especially if like a Rice is playing and Jorginho, he will be the more advanced, you know, in that four four two they make defensively. Um but he's, you know, he's playing, spending a lot of time deeper when Arsenal kind of get near to the box. It's, you know, I know that is a bit more familiar for him, but he is quite a bit more withdrawn and, you know, less in the, those sort of shooting positions that he got to last season. I think Zinchenko and Rice are starting to to build a bit of a, a relationship and an understanding as well. It's maybe not Partey levels of, of Zinchenko and Partey, but, you know, Rice knows where to be. Um and, and and that is sort of those pieces now look like they fit in a bit better around all these established relationships we've had and we've seen over at least the past two seasons. So um, yeah, it it, it was the, one of the first games I thought where it all seemed like you could sort of make make it all stitch together in your head quite nicely. Um, and mm. I didn't really think Arsenal were were there that often before tonight, but certainly were there tonight or last night. Bukayo Saka's got seven goal involvement in the Champions League so far this season. I saw your tweet saying yesterday, saying, you know, it's just a couple of months ago, he hadn't even played a Champions League game before. Mm. Now he's the lead. You know, no one's got more goal contributions in the group stages than, than him. I mean, we shouldn't even be surprised, really, at that sort of stat now, because he's just done so many remarkable things since he's come through in, in the space of five years. And I don't know if you... Oh, you were there. You were at the presser on Friday. And, you know, Moose mm. asked... Moose asked um, Mikel if if Bakaya was world-class, didn't he? And uh, Mikel sort of fudged it a little bit. He said, well, we played at a World Cup, plays in a national team. So I don't know what world-class <laughs> yeah. means, but he is a top, top player, that's for sure. And I was watching him yesterday and I was looking at all the numbers after the game and I was thinking, I mean, he he just is world-class. I don't, mm. I don't think he's already there. I know and people that, that phrase gets banded out a lot and, you know, what is world-class? Is it Messi and Ronaldo standard or is there, you know, is that, 
elite class and is there a, is there a sort of layer below it that you would call world class where you have the rest basically you got obviously the the top top players and then the rest and you know i look at it and i think the simple question is is there any other right winger in the world that you would have at arsenal ahead of Bakaya saka and i think you know but maybe take mo salah out of it just because of his yeah. output and the goals you know the sheer number of goals and assists he scores every single season in terms of quite, I mean, age-wise, it's a completely different ballpark, obviously, Saka and Salah. But, you know, you sort of take Salah out of it. There's there's no one else that I would want on that wing in world football right now than Bukayo Saka. And I don't think there's anyone else that Mikel Arteta would want, Arsenal would want. I don't think there's anyone else that Gareth Southgate would want or England would want. And I think just sheerly because of that, I think he, he has to be world-class. Surely he is he's just a world-class player. <laughs> no debate about it in my mind as well. Um, I mean, almost to be honest, I think it's a good question to ask. Um, so is Bukayo Saka world-class to ask of the manager? It's interesting. You might get a really good response from it, but equally I was sort of like when that question first came out, I was like, well, is this a debate anymore? Like, mm. of course he is. And, and part of it is because this game for me is kind of one of the exceptions in that it was a game where I was, I felt really blown away by Saka's performances I haven't I, I a lot of the time I've been like yeah Saka was Saka was fine today um you know luckily I don't do player ratings because I'd find him quite fidgety to to rate he's been fine it sort of feels like he's not been in, at top gear and he has what is it 17 goal involvements in 19 games or something like that was the stat I saw I think that was you know, before the, yesterday wasn't it? <laughs> and like we say you know He's ahead of Harry Kane, Jude Bellingham, guys like that for the most goal involvements in the Champions League. I think that to me is is the sort of definitive proof of world class is he can be a little bit off it and he will still deliver the moments that that win the game. I mean, that take your pick of your favourite Saka moment from the first half, um, the run on the way to the fifth goal, the goal is, itself. But that pass for Jesus, you know, that is... That is a Modric level, but or not a Modric. You know, I mean, that is a a top tier right winger. Just you know, the the composure, the the ability to react in an instant and work the ball to to Jesus. I love that. He's really, really special, and um, thank goodness Arsenal have got him for a few more years because even if he doesn't get much better, even if he doesn't develop, like you say second best right winger in the world and Mo Salah will go to Saudi Arabia or somewhere soon and then we can say best right ring right winger in the world because mm. nothing you do in the Pro League counts. <laughs> no, he's, he's a joy to watch. He really is. And I, I agree, he's definitely not been completely on it this season yet. But you know, I think a large part of that is the way he's now being mm. defended and marked and handled by opposition teams, which says a lot because he's been so, you know, I think large large chunks of the sort of pre-match chat the opposition we have in the build-up to playing Arsenal will be right what do we do with Bukayo Saka how do we stop Bukayo Saka because if we stop him we stop you know basically a massive amount of Arsenal threat we stop it either goals himself or assists himself so the, I'd imagine they spend days working out what they're going to do with Bukayo Saka now and I think that says a lot in terms of just how good he is and what how other teams um focus on him but but Without wishing to go off on a, on a tangent here and, and take it to something I know we're going to talk about, I think one of the things, you know, if you were game planning for Saka, what you might say is, well, let's make him sort of 
do you know hit across on his left foot, not get to the byline for a cutback, not get a shot away. Let's make him cross. Now that you have Kai Havertz, if he can sort of maintain this form, suddenly it's sort of like the way you stop Saka allows Arsenal to get more out of Havertz, and that I think is is the exciting thing of where this attack could get to if if players keep up their form. There's you know it, it becomes whack a mole for the defense and. You hit that Saka, don't let Saka shoot, don't let Saka get to the byline role. But like literally at the same time, it's oh, here comes Havertz back post. That's what we've given up because you're gonna have to give up something against Arsenal. So um mm. that is a complete tangent, but it's just something that your your comments made me think of. I like the whack-a-mole reference. Mm. I think that's what we're I think that's what Arsenal need to aspire to be. It's sort of like you can you, this week you can decide to stop Saka and Martinelli. Um but Sorry, guys. That mean, means you're going to have to deal with with an inform Havertz and Jesus, and uh, mm-hmm. not a million miles away from getting to there. I don't think. No. Right from one excellent attacker to another, Gabriel Jesus. You spoke to Gabriel Jesus yesterday. You waited in a mix zone, I imagine, for about an hour and a half after the game. Uh, no, no, he was really he was early. He was quick. Was he? he wanted to get Turn home. Did he? he did. Yeah. Fair play. Well, I've got some really well. interesting comments from him. I've got a few of them on the screen here. If you're watching on YouTube, there's plenty of others. He's talk, which we'll talk about in a minute. Actually, I thought really interesting stuff from him in terms of transfer stuff and all the links with. I mean, I, I presume no names were thrown at him like Tony or Osman no, or anything like that. No. no. So we'll talk about those in a in a minute. But in terms of these, I thought this was interesting because the the quotes that he gave over in Brazil during the international break caused quite a stir, didn't they? You know, they there was a lot of talking around them and people. I think I don't even. I'm not sure if Arteta was asked about it. I think he was, but um, mm-hmm. and it was because it was a bit strange. Striker saying, you know, scoring goals isn't my isn't my best thing. But I don't think anyone's. I, I think it's pretty obvious that Gabriel Jesus is not his strongest point is not scoring goals. But anyway, it, it was clearly, I thought, probably taken out of context a little bit. And he spoke about it to you guys yesterday where he basically said people don't understand sometimes and take it out of context and say, oh, Gabby isn't, G- Gabby's strongest point isn't scoring. I said this, but not in that way. I have other qualities as well, but I can score goals. I can score guys. I know I'm not scoring every game. It's not easy. Let's be honest. I don't miss a lot of chances. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that is necessarily true. He does miss a few. <laughs> Um, I think it's not about he doesn't know how to score. Sometimes I have to be in the box more. Um, That is one thing I'm working on. Tonight, I was in the box more. I know what my qualities are. I know what I can bring to the team. I can score. I can also help other things like opening spaces. But the only people who can see it are those who watch the game and understand. Those who don't understand will say, oh, we didn't score today. But maybe I run an open space for someone. He's absolutely bang on. You know, Gabriel is, is not just about scoring goals. Yes, you want your striker to score all the time every single game at Erling Haaland style. But those sort of strikers don't grow on trees, unfortunately. That's mm. why Erling Haaland is so special. That's why Lewandowski, Lewandowski has been so special for the last 10 years. And Harry Kane has been so special for the last decade as well because of the sheer amount of goals they score. But Jesus is still a top-level striker. He's got four and four in the Champions League now this season. His Champions League record as well, not just at Arsenal, but when you factor City in, mm. is exceptional. And that is elite level as well, of course. And he does what he brings to the team, how much he makes Arsenal better. When he, when he plays this season, Arsenal have just been so much better. When he plays as a striker, Arsenal have been so much better. They've scored more goals. Saka's been better. Martinelli's been better. And it's because of Jesus. He's, he's a, you know, I said at the start of the season, I was convinced he was going to have an absolute 
blinder of a season this season. And even though the injuries have sort of stopped him a bit and the fact he's had to play out wide has stopped him a little bit, I'm still sitting here right now convinced he's on. He's going to get around the 20 goal mark this season. I'm sure of it. Yeah, absolutely. He was a, he was a goal every, uh, every other game striker last season. I think I'm check the numbers, but I think he must be at least that this season. The the funny thing about about those quotes, um, and you'll well know, sometimes in the mix zone, um, you it's, it's like kind of drawing blood from a stone with every club. Uh, and then there are times when someone comes to you with a point to prove. So great questions by um, by our friend Tom Canton over at Football London. But equally, sort of Tom asked the question of why is it going so well for you in the, the Champions League? And, and you know, why is that not translated to the Premier League as much? Uh, and so there's no prompting there about what he said in Brazil. Like no one mentioned that to him before Gabby brought it up uh, and a semi-lengthy monologue on uh, on all things, uh, what he said in Brazil. I think he's got, he feels like he's got, uh, got to get that off his chest. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a degree of frustration at the way that people talked about, like you said, those comments, because he is, you know, he is not the best finisher in the world, the best, you know, absolute out and out scorer. But was it Gab- Was it Pep Guardiola calling the best, best pressing forward in the world? I think yeah. he's right up there as the best link forwards in the world alongside your cane. So I, he was right. He, you know, I would pick Erling Haaland to put a chance away, but you know, if I if I wanted to play a, a high pressing system, I'd have Gabriel Jesus over Erling Haaland. Just for that, I'm, I'm having Haaland in my team. Uh, he had a, he he had something he wanted to get off his chest, and uh, more power to him. It's great to, great to talk to Gabby. He really understands the game. I, a lovely quote, which I don't think we'll come onto, so I want to bring it up. I sort of asked him right at the end. I was like, "What similarities do you see between your team and the the City teams that went deep?" And it's just this line where he goes, oh, you know, Arsenal's a big team. We don't fear anyone. Uh, and come the last month of the season, we'll just see who's there. There's a steal with him where you're like, that we'll see who there, we'll see who's there was very much a thing of, yeah, we'll still be in the Champions League in the last month of the season. Then we'll just sort of see who we have to polish off on on their way to Wembley. Which, yeah, I like that attitude. And uh, I think that's going to help Arsenal a lot. Yeah. I think missing out last season would have really hurt Jesus, especially given... Obviously, he left City. City went on and won it all. He was, you know, they were very close with Arsenal to sort of leading Arsenal to something great. And I think that would have hurt him quite a bit. It would have hurt everyone. But I do think him and Zinchenko, especially given the club that they'd left behind and what they went on mm. to win, I think it would have hurt him a lot. I think there's going to be some real motivation this season if Arsenal managed to get themselves in a sort of similar position come the, come the business end of the season. He also spoke a lot about, where he was asked about transfers, wasn't he? About Arsenal being linked with, like you said, so no names were mentioned. They didn't throw Osimhen mm. or Tony at him, but that Arsenal being linked with strikers and um, and he spoke about it. So he said some quite interesting stuff in that, in terms of how he felt about it all, didn't he? Yeah, it sort of said, you know, I mean, that's where he also brings in the stuff about his qualities. But effectively, his sort of answer to any questions about, you know, is someone going to come in and replace me was bring it on. I, I'm not worried, and you know, he, he showed there's so much more to him than goals, and if if Arsenal are looking to kind of get an upgrade on him, he's very clear of like, you're going to need to upgrade in a lot of, a lot of aspects of your play. And, you know, that's going to be the real challenge. We all expect them to, you know, give a a strong look at the the centre forward market in the summer. 
Um, and I'm sort of really struggling to pick out more than one or two names that are that clear upgrade on Gabriel Jesus. We've talked a lot, haven't we, about finding the player that's a step up on Eddie and Ketia, but getting someone that can challenge Jesus when he's in this, if Jesus can stay fit, it's, mm. it's such a hard task. You're, you're yeah. talking a handful of strikers. See, I've never bought into the idea that it would be a an upgrade. Arsenal will be looking for an upgrade. I think they'll be looking for another option, you know, yeah. another sort of player that you could potentially rotate with Jesus and Nketiah and just share the burden a little bit. But upgrade, it's very, very hard to get an upgrade on Gabriel <laughs> Jesus. I honestly think he's that good. And I think what he brings to the team when he, when Arsenal, when he's playing, he just makes Arsenal so much better. He didn't, like Mikel said, he changed Arsenal's world last season. He did. It just absolutely transformed Arsenal in an attacking sense last season when he was fit. And those first few months of the season were exhilarating with Jesus at the front of it all. And we've seen already this season, it's a very similar situation when he's playing. He just needs to, like you say, stay fit. If he can stay fit for the, for the whole season, I think Arsenal are going to be in a really, really strong position come April time because he is that good. He said, I was looking at some of the quotes now in terms of potential strikers coming in he said this happens you know maybe it can be agents talking about a lot of things I'm mm. not the most experienced but I've seen a lot of things in football sometimes it is like this it happened when I was at City even with, with Aguero and me scoring I was scoring a lot and people were linking everyone so here I don't care about this I know my qualities and I know what I bring to the team so like you said that is a pretty it's like a it's a, it's a challenge almost to anyone who's going to come in it's like bring it on I'm here and if you do come in you're going to have to try and get past me and correct me if I'm wrong he got a year so there are, obviously there were times where he was ahead of Aguero in the pecking order but he got a year between Aguero retiring and Haaland arriving didn't he yes he did. I, I do think there's a little bit where he sort of he thinks he might think I'm speculating here, but, but that he might kind of think like, you know, he, he mev maybe never really got a fair crack at crack, crack of the whip at, uh, at, at city as the number nine. I think he was always sort of fighting to convince, I mean, he would play brilliantly, but everyone would sort of go, where's Aguero. And then he would play brilliantly, but already the talk was of, as was of Erling Haaland. And I, yeah. I think I it's very think hard to shake that tag off, isn't it? When, once you spend mm. years as basically Aguero's understudy, which is always sort of, even when Aguero left, you've still got that tag, I think, yeah. of Aguero's understudy. Even though he's not at the club anymore, you're still viewed in the same way because everyone's so used to viewing you like that. And I think you have to basically move to a new club like you did to kind mm. of be the main man even. And so I think it was a that was a sort of large chunk of it as well. It's just you, you spend so, so long at one place and you're, during that entire time you're looked at in one certain way, that it's very hard to change that view, no matter what happens and how much the landscape changes, I think. But he's certainly the main man at Arsenal, 100%. And whoever comes in, if someone comes in, whether it be in January, which I doubt, but certainly in mm. the summer, you know, they're going to find it very difficult to get Gabriel Jesus out of the team if he's fit. <laughs> I'd be really excited to see see sort of Jesus scrapping with whoever the uh, the rival to his shirt is especially in training, like get those two, like underrated how much of an absolute pest Gabriel Jesus is for opposition players. So uh, get him up against whoever's trying to take his starting berth off him and uh, I'd pay good money for, for that. Yeah, absolutely. Was it? Arteta said he brings chaos. Yes, he? Yeah, I love he it. Certainly, he certainly does bring chaos. So... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Kai Havertz, I think this time last week, pretty much this time last week, we spent quite a lot of time bemoaning Havertz's performance against Burnley. And it was one that kind of, I, it, that one really disappointed me because I'd liked what I'd seen from him against Newcastle. And it was another game. I can't remember which one it was. Was uh, it the Champions, oh, the West yes, Ham was, game? He was quite good. Or was it the Champions League? No, it was Sevilla. Was it Sevilla? I think mm. it was Sevilla. And then he disappointed against Bernie, and that sort of, yeah, it sort of sucked the life out of me a little bit. I was like, oh no, we're, we're back to here again. And um, you know, one o'clock forward about a week, and we've got a little bit of egg on our faces at the moment. And and it's great, yeah, yeah. and I'm delighted that we have as well. Absolutely delighted we have that he's he appears to be finding himself a little bit. You know, that was a huge moment against Brentford at the weekend. You know, he'd had the the pity penalty, whatever you want to call it, against um, Bournemouth. That I think we all tried to. Hope was going to be the turning point, but in the grand scheme of things, it probably never was going to be. He must he have known, mustn't he? Like, yeah, what this penalty is about. Yeah, and he's a cha- the guy scored the winning goal in a Champions League final, and then you know, I don't think a penalty at three 0 is going to really change anything against Bournemouth away. You know, convincing win. He need he still needed that big moment, and you know, to come off the bench and score the winner in a London derby to send Arsenal top in injury time. That's a big moment. And you could see just in his celebration at Brentford, it was completely different. It wasn't like a, a Bournemouth where you could almost, he, he, not embarrassed, but he was getting shoved over to the fans and everything like that. And everyone was slapping him on the head. And the, you could see against Brentford, it was a big, it was a release, the celebration. It was a release from him. You Ooh. could see he was pumped up and, and everything. And it was a huge moment, one that I think we've all felt he needed. And then he backed that up yesterday, he scored the first goal, got things up and running. It wasn't just a goal. I just thought his all-round performance was really good. There were some really nice moments. I thought his play for the third goal was really, really good. You know, winning the ball, driving forward, showing a bit of intent, laying the ball off. There was that lovely bit down at the North Bank in the second half where he sort of protected it by the corner flag, but then did a couple of tricks, completely done the man and set up the chance for Odegaard, which ended up being saved. It was just a, yeah, it was a good performance. It was his best performance in the Arsenal show, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it certainly wouldn't isn't wasn't his best performance in in England. So I, I mean, I saw quite a lot of him at Chelsea, especially when they were going to the Champions League final, and you know, under Thomas Tuchel. And there were there were better performances, but I I don't remember. There will be people that have seen more games of his there than I, but I don't remember a game where Ty Havertz was having as much fun as I got the sense he was having. Uh, last night and that for me is a huge step because there's there was clearly something of a confidence issue at Mm. Chelsea and early on at Arsenal I you know there are a lot of these art these newfangled Arsenal chants that I simply cannot stand 
I don't like the I don't like Saliba's one. I hate Erdegaard's one. Kai Havertz is is the worst chant of the whole firmament. But it, it, it's so clear how much the Emirates Stadium, the away fan base, everyone wants good things for Havertz. I don't think he entirely believed that. We saw that, didn't we? With those quotes in the international break where he's talking about, I have to prove a bit more because I've come from Chelsea. And whilst there was a sort of degree of truth in that, I, I got the sense that Havertz didn't really understand how much of a real groundswell of, of desire for him to make it good there was around the Emirates and around Arsenal. I think people really wanted Havertz to be different. They knew what the best version of Kai Havertz could mean to to Arsenal and their hopes long-term. And I can't believe that sort of after that 90 minutes, even if it was, you know, not the toughest opposition, that, that you know, that he's not going to be striding into the, into the, into Colney on, on Friday morning, you know, feeling a little bit lighter, a little bit, a little bit happier and mm. you know we don't know i don't know kai havertz I've, I've interviewed him once before i get the feeling that though that that will make a difference yeah from uh, and that could be huge well that one little moment when he did do that those little tricks down at the corner flag in front of the north bank and he, he wouldn't have tried that i don't think mm. two games ago he just wouldn't have had the belief and the confidence to do that sort of thing the little drag back the cruyff the and all that it just He's been playing since the moment he arrived at Arsenal. He's looked like he's been, he's had just a concrete weight around his shoulders. Mm. He's just given the air of someone like that. He just didn't have that look about him yesterday. He was, he just looked a lot freer. He was running with, he was running himself. He was pushing himself. He was driving forward. He was fouling loads. I liked it. He, he was fouling. I don't know how he didn't get booked, to be unfair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he managed to not get booked. Um, he should have done it, and then he's got that is a part to his game. I think the whole you know, I like he does, it. He does foul a lot, um, but yeah, it was a lot to like. I mean, it's it's stepping stones. Obviously, it's far from this is no guarantees that he's going to go on now and and be a mainstay in the team and make an impact every single game. But you know, we've been waiting to see signs like this, and so I think the fact that we're now seeing them it absolutely we deserve, we we should be pointing them out and and hoping it is a big turning point and um. I, again, the fact that that was, you know, he was part of that front five that played together for the first time yesterday. The fact he's got Jesus ahead of him now. Uh, the fact, like you said, that Saka and, and Martinelli, if they are going to get doubled up on, then that, that might feed into servicing Havertz more. Um, you know, it's, it's it's encouraging, I think. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes with him now. And, you know, three goals three goals now this season it's suddenly not looking anywhere near as bad in terms of mm. output it's some some key assists as well for him so hopefully it can continue Mikel understandably very happy with him yesterday I saw the quotes in the press conference um and just in around like where I was in the stands you can just feel like what you were talking about there people really want him to do well and you can you can feel it you can hear it you know people all saying to each other oh that was good that was good it's just a little bit of excitement that they're beginning to see the player that we all know he is, he's a very good player. There's no doubt about it. You don't do you don't achieve what Havertz achieved in his early career so far by not being a good player. He clearly is. Um, and yeah, long may that continue. Hopefully, we see him continue to build on that as it go forward. Did you think the um did you think it was a penalty? Is this the the, the handball the, the penalty? No, the penalty that Arsenal got for Martinelli. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you? Well, it was a UEFA penalty, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like in that in that a footballer had arms and that was their first mistake. Like I didn't think it was a penalty. Right, Sorry. okay, here's a, here's a pitch for you. Champions League final. Uh, it's the 88th minute, Arsenal 1-0 up. 
if you're Mikel Arteta, do you just chop everyone's arms off? Arms off, yeah, you do at the moment. Just play it safe, play it safe. It's it's ludicrous. I mean, like it's not a penalty, but it's a penalty because UEFA have have effectively. He didn't. It was just. It was just. It's just a defense. Just, he just literally had his arms. Just existed, waved his arms. didn't he? It's like. Well, <laughs> Yeah, he yeah. wasn't trying to. He wasn't trying to elbow Martinelli in the face. His arm was just out, and it, it, I just, I just think that was really harsh. I thought it was very harsh on Mons to give that as a penalty. But who am I? I mean, the Newcastle. I think Arsenal had before. Arsenal had one as well that that was like a was it Havertz? It might have been that was a carbon copy of the Newcastle penalty. Was it? Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, I didn't see that on the screen. I heard, uh, I saw the appeals, and I said to Dad, "Oh, they're checking. It's uh, it's handball. It'll probably be given because it looks like you know it's almost if the ball hits your arm, it's almost impossible not to be a penalty, judging by what happened in Paris the night before." So I was surprised they didn't give it in the end, but I haven't seen a replay of it. I mean, people say they want consistency. This is what consistency looks like. And the Newcastle one was a joke. It was genuinely an absolute joke. I mean. How that can ever in a million years be given as a penalty? It doesn't. I mean, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't come into it the timing of the game and 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 stuff and the game state in it. But to do that in the ninety seventh minute at one nil to give that as a penalty is farcical. And I was so you know the VAR obviously got stepped down. I saw that, so that's basically mm. way for admitting that they made a mistake. But the referee went over. He still agreed. He looked at the screen and still agreed to give that as a penalty. And so the referee has to take just as much responsibility for that as a VAR. It just shows such a weakness in referees to go to the screen, to look at it, to be told, you know, you've obviously said no on the pitch, but then to be told in your ear by your mate, oh, this should be a penalty. And to go to the screen to look at that and agree, it's just it's yeah. real. it's a real sign of weakness, I think. I don't see why referees cannot just go to the screen and basically just say, no way is that a penalty. How I, I, I think that? that happened in the Copenhagen-Bayern game. And I completely agree with you. I have the, I mean, for one thing, the VAR is not telling you to award penalties; only advising you or advising you or uh, to to take a look. Mm. Like you, you are then entitled to, you know, stand by your view. I mean, like frankly, I, I think I admire referees quite a bit more usually when they sort of say. Uh, grey area I think I want to stick with what I said in the first place 100% and it sh that should happen far more the Wolves game Wolves against Fulham that last minute penalty and the referee's seen that on the pitch and said no and so he's seen it and said no and just because the VAR said you should go and have a look at it once you look in the screen and you think in real time you've seen it in real time not on slow motion like when you're looking at the camera so the referee knew he had the picture in his head of the exact incident in real time just should not be changing his mind there just because he's seen mm -hmm. it in slow motion on on the screen. He's got it. It's got to be more. It's got to be more sensible. And I know Arteta got hammered by everyone jumping on the bandwagon after his comments, but he's he's just been proven absolutely right ever since that rant. And um, you know, it's just not working. It's genuinely not working. I, I hate mm -hmm. it. I would if I could flick a switch like that and get rid of VAR, I would do it in an absolute instant. I just do not see any good that it's bringing to football, and I think it's getting worse. And that's a really scary thing. I think I'm sure we wouldn't talk about referee decisions if we got rid of VAR. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, obviously we would. But I, I, at least I, I think I prefer the fact that it's just a decision made in real time at real genuine speed, rather than people. Then it's all it's worse when you're watching people make mistakes yeah. when they're looking at it on about twenty screens and they're still making mistakes. That just bugs me, and I, and I hate it being slowed down into slow motion. And and, it, and in the in the ground where even even us in the press box are kind of flying blind mm -hmm. you know, that that what that lons one in the first half i had no idea what was happening mm -hmm. right i'm going to move on to some questions before we end this just got a few sort of questions or comments to to go through vet para 
uh, has uh, got a few sort of posts here. It's but he's sort of based on Havertz. Says, I really hope the fan base stick with Havertz. I think he has so many good attributes in his makeup. Just needs a little time to come out for us to get familiar with it. The back post run is tailor-made for left-footers. Attackers like Odegaard, Saka, Vieira. As soon as he really starts t- taking defenders with him, it's going to free up space for Odegaard on the edge of the box. He's also perfect fill. Jesus' space mm. when he comes deeper into midfield. Also, I think his defensive contribution work rate has been criminally understated. I think because we are waiting for him to explode in an attacking sense, our eyes are almost not trained to look for his defensive work. Finally, in his first interview in Germany, I remember him saying that his brain would need to get used to midfield again. And I have full sympathy that playing forward will be different from playing with your back to goal. Intriguing signing, really. think it will come good. Some interesting comments there on Havertz. Obviously, we've spoken about him already in this show, but I thought it was worth worth bringing up. Yeah, and I think people, great I think stuff. People, I think people have stuck largely with Havertz. Obviously, some of the comments on social media and stuff like that, you're always going to get. But certainly in the stadium... There's, occasionally there've been sort of little moans and groans when it was really not working out and his touch was poor or something like that. But largely on the whole, in the stadiums, home and away, there's been nothing but support. And you've spoken about that already and people really wanting him to succeed. A hundred percent. I'm just pulling up some numbers here on his defensive stuff because I do think it, I think, like we said, you know, sometimes the fouls are a good thing. I think there's a lot of, you know, the, the fouls that everyone's talking about now, the, uh, cynically stopping a counter-attack. I do sometimes think, Kai, Kai, you don't need to worry about that, mate. There's Saliba and Declan Rice behind you. It's fine. Um, but it's some stuff I'm really like. I'm really impressed by his his work in the press. You can t- kind of tell that there's that German Gagan pressing side to him. I think the minute Arsenal lose the ball, he's he's on it. He's ready to, to challenge. Um, just looking at it here as well, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy that's kind of making about as many ball recoveries per 90 as as Martinelli, as Jesus, as Erdegaard. And these guys are top defensive forwards, if you know what I mean. And um, Havertz uses his, not necessarily his strength, but like his physicality, his shape quite well. I thought he did a good job as well when he was receiving the ball last night, of just always making sure that he's this big target for the Lons midfielders to get around. It's it's still not perfect, um, but kind of, you know, that, 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 that bit the vet par ended on at the end as well about, Kind of, we do all need to remember that he's just spent three years playing centre forward in one of the most chaotic teams in world football. Like, give give him time to learn to be an eight, and uh, it's clear he's progressing, isn't it? Yeah, fingers crossed that continues. I always think, and I've I've mentioned this before, I know I have, but I always go back to Tommy Asu and the interview I had of him last season at one point, and talking about the difference Arsenal had made in a year and how massive it was and what he put that down to. And it was just said to me, it was just because we understand Arteta. We knew what he wanted the year before, but we just couldn't quite put it into action. But now we actually understand it. And I always keep going back to that whenever I think of Havertz and, you know, the clear struggles he's had so far settling in. It's the fact he's adapting to Arteta. He's adapting to a new position and a new club, even though it is in a club in the same league. And, you know, sort of marry that all together and, maybe no surprise that he hasn't absolutely hit the ground running the way we were all hoping he was going to but you know, hopefully this is a start and we are going to see him uh, settling in more and more um, this was an interesting one this is from Max he says I'm always keen to know what your manager rating would be for Arteta after each game even though we had the victory in the bag by half time I think Arteta did well to zoom out and consider the congested December fixtures early subs for the fullback was interesting what did you make of that Saka and Rice got a well-deserved rest and in general I think the whole team conserved energy well 
pressing and resting as a unit. I also don't think this was the moment for youth players to get their minutes. Like you said, senior impacters need to keep their minutes up. We are undoubtedly going to need them over the next few weeks. And there's one here from Mr. Supplement Scene who said, sort of ties into it, that I wanted to discuss. As many fans on the Arsenal forum I visit were upset that Wanieri and Lewis Skelly didn't get a run out despite the scoreline, never in doubt. Wonder what your view is on that. And so, yeah, in terms of Arteta and your rating for Arteta, when I actually do my ratings for goal, when I'm there doing stuff for goal, I do have to rate Arteta actually in those ratings. Mm-hmm. I give the manager a rating as well. And I was thinking about this. I, as it's a hard fan, one always, isn't it? It is hard. I mean, I, it, the team selection was exactly what I thought he was going to do. I got that right. My predicted 11, it was the 11 I thought. So there was no surprises there. He went strong. I wanted him to go strong. You know, this was a chance to win the group. I don't, you know, you do that. You take that. You don't go want to go to Holland with any sort of jeopardy for that last game. So you, you go mm. as strong as possible. So I was happy he did that. I think he did that well. I thought the subs were interesting. I admit I was moaning to my dad at one point. I, I moaned when Ben White came on. I said to dad, I was like, why are you doing that? Why do you need to bring Ben White on for 45 minutes? Um, you know, why risk him? It's four, it's five nil. Why risk Ben White? And then when some of the other side, like Jorginho, came on, I was like, do we need to see Jorginho now? It's 5-0. Can we not bring on a Wanieri or something like that? So in during the game, I did moan about it a bit. But then on the way home, I was talking to Dan. I was like, you know, I can probably see why he's done that, actually, because as fun as it is for the crowd to see some youngsters play, he's got to manage this squad and he's got to manage the minutes of players who aren't playing as much and they still need to be involved. And so Kivior clearly needed to play and... He did that. Ben White, maybe from a fitness point of view or a medical point of view, it was good to get those 45 minutes mm. under his belt because he's not played that much recently. And, you know, you've got to, you, you've kept Reese Nelson, you gave him a big contract. So you've got to play him really rather than, you know, giving a youngster some minutes just for the sake of it. You've got to keep Nelson happy and keep him ticking over. And that's why you bring him on and Inketia on and Jorginho on as well. So I think, I think ultimately he got pretty much everything right yesterday, Arteta. So if you're going to judge him with a rating, I think he's got to be at least an 8 out of 10 for last night, really. He didn't really make any mistakes. Yeah, I I, I think he he got everything right. And you, you really nicely laid out there the reason why he brought on five senior players. I think it's also true that, you know, what am I going to learn about Ethan Ranieri and, and Miles Lewis-Skelly at 5-0 up? Like, you know, Jesus said that, that to us last night. Like they, we, they didn't want to slow down, but they do because they're five nil up. Everyone does it. Mm. I still, I still just think it's. I just would have quite liked to have seen it. You know, it's. Yeah, I think it's 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 nice. I mean, I I agree. You almost have to pick three players. It didn't surprise me at all that the fullbacks came off early. I think it's sort of a tacit admission that, like, look, we know that that Zinchenko and Tomiyasu maybe can't take the load that a Rice or Saka can take. Um, yeah, Mikel keeps was pointing smart. out keeps pointing out in the last couple of weeks how light they are defensively as well. He's yeah, made a, yeah, he's made a big point of it in a couple of questions now, quite a couple of answers now, which does much even get if my radar about up a January. different position. Mm. Like, um, even if you literally ask him about midfield, he will talk about defence. Yeah. Uh, like you know, my, my immediate reaction was the same as yours, and um, I t- I, t- I think the alternative view is valid as well. That you know, get these minutes in Jorginho's legs. I just still, even with that, I think it would just have been a, a really nice moment, and that also has validity. Like it's okay to just say, oh, it's five nil. 
let's have some fun. Let's see if if Ranieri and Lewis Skelly can do can do anything in in these mm. circumstances in these scenarios. Because I didn't necessarily think we needed to see more, get more of an info and get more minutes in in Ketia. Probably the same with Jorginho as well. I know he's not played since the international break. He's, or he's not played much, but like I'm not. I I don't particularly think that it, you know Arsenal are going to be light on Jorginho minutes and given some of the fixtures on the horizon, like the Villa game's not far off now, I would just not want to be gambling mm. that something might something random might happen in in 30 minutes. But I imagine... I, I, I think we'll learn more chucking two players in alongside the B team against PSV and then packing that, packing that with... Uh, packing the bench with uh, youngsters as well. Yeah. Put yourself in Reese Nelson's shoes. I imagine if you're Reese Nelson... Yeah sitting on the bench and Miles Lewis Skelly comes on ahead of you in the Champions League when you've not played at all, really. Yeah. You'd be fuming, wouldn't you? And Arteta would know that as well. Mm. So as much as for the fans, it's a nice thing. I think for the those players who are you know, senior players who want minutes and need to play, you know, that sort of nice moment of Wanieri and Skelly coming on for them would be a, you know, real sort of my, my favourite uh, Twitter subcategory are the people that think Mikel Arteta doesn't rate the academy or young guys. Yeah. You're like, uh, have you seen what he's done with Eddie Nketiah? I think there's this thing like, oh, he didn't give Nketiah his debut, he didn't give Saka his debut. So I'm like, no, but he built the team around Bukayo Saka. Yeah. When he, no, when no, he wasn't I, yeah, I, don't, I don't buy into that at all. It, I think it, it would certainly send out a nice message to the academy boys coming up, though, wouldn't it? If, you, if one of them did get on. We've seen a lot of them on the bench that, towards the end of last season. And a few times this season, and none of them have come on yet, really, have they? And um, yeah. in those sort of games, and you know, it would be nice for one day for them to come on, and maybe that PSV game is is the one. I think that is the one where, if you are going to play some youngsters, it, it probably, you know, that's one to do it. And because yeah, Reese will be starting that game, you know, those 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 you know second string players will be the ones starting that match, and so you won't be treading on any toes in the second half if you bring on one of the youngsters for them. So. Well, and given injuries to sort of Smith Rowe, Vieira, guys like that, if you want to fully rotate the squad, that probably does mean you have to play at least one of the sort of more attack-minded youngsters just to to balance the team out. And I'd say do that over playing Erdegaard, Saka, whoever. The thing is, Arteta, I honestly, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna play Saka. Let Saka end up starting in Holland, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, it wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be at all surprised. It would be utterly mental if he did, but it wouldn't be at all surprised. It's like Arteta. He he does struggle to to rest players. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he starts out. I mean, you can't do. I mean, you can literally leave everyone at home now, can't you? It will be a tough game though in PSV. We saw that last season, so. Whoever does play in that one might be uh, might be up against it. So uh, I've done that one, haven't I? Is that the last one? Oh, this is what I just wanted to end on this. This one from Chris. Mm. Just basically, easy statement. Never sell Kivio or Tomiyasu. They are just too good. I tell you what, I, I really, really like Jakob Kivio. I mean, Tommy was I great yesterday. Him. Yeah, Tommy was great yesterday. It was a brilliant first half performance. If he'd have stayed on any longer than 45 minutes, he would have been my man of the match. I thought he was great. And he's been great all season. And it's fantastic to see him playing at this level again now after, you know, some fairly difficult times at, at points last season where many started to question whether, you know, he would st- stick around for too long. But Kivior, every time I see him play, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a really exciting talent. Um, you know, left back, he just looks fine at left back. He's technically really, really good at centre-back when he's played there. We've seen him being really, really good. 
um he's just yeah i just think he's really exciting a really exciting talent clearly clearly benefiting from that those six months where he didn't play a lot but he obviously learned at, at the feet of gabriel and, and mm. arteta as well learned what it means to be an arsenal defender because you know he was a proper zinchenko style inverted wing back or um, and I think he always looks great when he plays in, in central defence as well. I struggle to think of many poor performances he's had this season. Really like him by all accounts as well. He's a he's a good guy who's who settled in well um, at training. I mean, we'll probably come to talk about this, you know, in the month ahead and into January. But just a moment to talk about if you were talking about a sort of ideal January transfer window, even though Arsenal didn't win the league in the end. Kivior, Trossard, Jorginho, they signed three players who've, especially, I mean, last season, Trossard made a big impact. Jorginho mm. had good moments as well. They've signed three really useful depth pieces, the sort that, you know, not breaking the bank, not breaking the wage bill. Um, and it's, you know, we don't really talk about it very much because it didn't quite get them across the finishing line, but it's probably made them a team that can, compete now for the title this season because of the, the good business they did last season. Yeah, it was a really good January transfer window, I thought, last season. Like you said, all three players have been have been impressive and they've certainly made the, the squad a lot stronger. There's lots of talk about Kivior at the moment, isn't there, from Italy that Milan, from Italy, won, though, isn't it? Milan want him and but it wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, he came from Italy and I'm sure Serie A clubs are looking at him thinking, oh, he's not playing too much at Arsenal. Can we take advantage of that? A, I don't think they could afford him anyway. If they did, I can't because what 25 million Arsenal paid for him, yeah. didn't they? You'd want a hell of a lot more than that now, even though he's barely played, he's not played that much. But, um, and I can't see a Serie A side affording him. And from an Arsenal point of view, it'd be crazy to consider letting Kibble go in January. I, I mean, I, I saw just a tweet on this, so this isn't gospel. Apparently, in Poland, they're not that into him. Apparently, he's not playing that well for the Polish national team, who I think might not make the Euros. Um, build your team around Kivior, bin off Lewandowski, don't need him. Jakob Kivior, make him your David Alaba. I did see a quote from their manager in the last international break saying that he only wanted players who were playing regularly in the starting 11. Um, yeah, beggars can't be choosers, mate. Yeah, but I think you'd be very, very, you've got you must have very strong options if you're a Polish national team manager and you're not starting Jakob Kivior because, yeah, I think I think he's great and Tommy Astor as well, really, really strong. Um, and Arsenal need them at the moment because, as Mikel mm. said, they are a little bit light defensively. But good news that you're in Timber should be out on the grass fairly soon. Um, obviously, no pressure. No one's going to be putting pressure on him to get back in rapid time. But if he could come back for the final couple of months of the season, that would be a that would be a big big bonus. But we shall see on that. Right, we're coming up to the hour mark. I think that's a good time to uh, call time on this one. And uh, while there is still a little bit of daylight, so I'm not recording totally in the pitch black. That would be handy. What are your plans this weekend are you at, um are you at the game on saturday nope i am at chelsea brighton uh, it should be a really interesting game because i'm not uh, you know chelsea play some nice football and they're not getting results didn't play nice football last weekend when they got absolutely hammered up at, uh, well, you know we haven't even talked about united i'm just pointing that out we've not got much time to but i don't and presumably you didn't see that game I saw I was in the pub in Finsbury Park in the fullback again, and I left the pub at they just Galatasaray just made it three two. Or sorry, Andre Anana had just made it three two. Made it three two. And uh, 
and then yeah we sort of left the pub we turned down started walking towards Finsbury Park station to go down you know go down the road to Highbury and walk past another pub and saw 3-3 three, three on this on the score so uh missed the equalizer still haven't seen it actually the equalizer I keep hearing it was a really good goal but I haven't seen it yet uh it was a very good goal I mean it as good as Arsenal Lons was that is one of the best Champions League group stage games I have ever seen um Manchester United they're just box office like you can't look away from them um it's a car crash but like you know we're all going along the motorway and we're going yeah. oh that's a bad car crash Galatasaray a bit box office though as well aren't they they're they a are. fun team Galatasaray I was looking at their side yes I was talking about it in the pub it's like you got Ndombele uh Zaha Icardi a lot of fun players. A wild game. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of fun players in that team. Wild game from Lucas Torreira. Could yeah, have won be. the game for Galatasaray. Could have lost it for Galatasaray. You sort sort of see him, and you kind of then you were like, I loved him. Loved him to bits when he was in an Arsenal shirt. Kind of wish that had worked out better. Mm-hmm. But when he was playing that game, you're like, oh, maybe Mikel Arteta knows more about football than me. Yeah. It's still bonkers. That whole group is so bonkers. And, you know, United have lost, what, lost three, drawn one. And I still wouldn't be at all surprised if they go through on that final on that final game. I, I would. Would you? I think Thomas Tuchel will turn up with a, a quite good team. And I don't think United would do yeah, that well against Bayern B. They've already won the group, haven't they? They're absolutely yeah. the definition of on the beach for, for Bayern Munich. You know, why would you risk anything in that, in that game? Um, so, yeah. Which I heard Manuel Neuer made an amazing double saving like right at the end of their game against Copenhagen, mm-hmm. didn't he? And had that had they scored, would United have been United out? It would have been out. Yeah, I haven't again. I haven't seen that. I just saw the tweet talking about Neuer's double save. So, uh, Is that yeah. the moment? They are. They are pretty fortunate to still be in that competition. Arsenal, though, are not. They are not fortunate to still be in it at all because they deserve to be where they are, and that is in the knockout stages, which is a fantastic way to end today's show. Cheers, James. I will. Well, I won't see you at the weekend. I'll be in a in the press box at Arsenal on Saturday, but, uh, and then are you going to Luton on Tuesday? I hope so. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had I'm, my, it's, I'm still yes. pending. My accreditation request is still yeah. pending for Luton, but uh, I don't, I don't have great hopes. I'm, I'm assuming it's a tiny press box. So I'm no, sure it probably is no judgment, but I would love to go. I'd really like to get to go to that game. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully I shall see you there. So thank you very much everyone for watching. Appreciate your time. As always, I'll be back tomorrow morning as usual with one of my usual shows as we really head towards the weekend's Premier League fixtures. Cheers, James, mate. I'll speak to you soon. See you next week. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart 
A better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.